Coming up on today's Locked On 49ers, our special guest, Ben Solak of The Ringer. A recent article about Kyle Shanahan, how Kyle Shanahan's hurting Kyle Shanahan, the head coach. So uh, we will look into that, talk about drafting and developing and what's going on at the top of the organization for the 49ers and if they can pull out of this thing in 2021. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker with you once again at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker with a very special guest on today's program. And by the way, thanks for making us your first listen every day here on Locked On 49ers. The Ringer, congratulations, by the way. Staff writer at The Ringer, Benjamin Solak. I've been listening to his podcast for many years, joining him on numerous podcasts over at the Draft Network and right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Interesting that Croc has taken over the old Locked On NFL Draft that Ben used to do with Trevor Sykema. So um, I'm, I'm glad that show is still in very good hands. And it's always a pleasure to chat with you, Ben. So I appreciate you carving out a little time to, to jump on with us and talk about this latest article about Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, no, nice to be back in a locked on chair. Feels like home. Uh, excited to be here. And yeah, uh, we've been, uh, I've been thinking about the Shanahan piece for a bit. And it's like, all right, just kind of waiting for one really embarrassing loss. And then they got beat by Colt <laughs> McCoy. It's like, all right, it's not going to get more embarrassing than that. We better go. That was perfect. Before he takes down Sean McVay. And then, of course, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. then you would have to wait another month for an embarrassing loss again to, uh, to put that article up there. But also, yeah. one thing I've noticed too. <laughs> When when guys that are doing you know write ups and articles and things like that, if you want something to blow up, talk about the 49ers because they seem to be like just this polarizing team between the head coach, between the quarterback situation, right. and people are really intrigued by what's going on there. And even looking at your tweet and some of the numbers that it did just shortly after you posted that, I was like, wow, like this is it looks like it was doing very well. I mean, Crocky, those those numbers are all me. Come on now. That's just, yeah, that's just the that's brand a, right there. Hey, I got you a hundred retweets to come on this show. So that that's definitely nah, going to yeah, create yeah. some fire when you when you blow it out on at BD Peacock on Twitter. Uh, you're definitely going to get a little bit of a reach there. Um, obviously, kidding there. I I love the seesaw analogy used in this article, and and everyone who hasn't checked it out, go find Ben at the Ringer. And the title of the article is the Kyle Shanahan conundrum, and I love this little passage from this article and you use the analogy of a seesaw with a front office and a coaching staff and how different coaching staffs around the league and front offices work with how much input a coach has into the drafting and into the 53-man roster and you talked about the 49ers right now with the seesaw being out of balance it's something I've talked about but you put it so succinctly here you said quote Shanahan is a man with a pail facing a roaring fire running to and from a river of only his own strengths, his own perspectives, his own abilities. And I mean, I just love that. And it's it's a perfect visual to what Kyle Shanahan is doing right now because he is so good. But when you have a roaring fire, just that one guy's abilities, which is Kyle Shanahan's offense in this case, isn't enough. And so uh, the question becomes, like, do you think it's actually just purely too much power for Shanahan? Do you think it's just that he's a bad scout, which is something I've talked about before, but something Croc and I have gotten into a lot on the show recently is, I mean, maybe he's even right, and, and they've nailed these picks, and they're doing a terrible job of developing him. Like, there's mm -hmm. something in there, and whatever it is, it all comes back to Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, the the space between evaluation and development is really important, right? Uh, 
the last prospect to come out of college completely ready for the NFL just didn't exist. Player wasn't real. It's never happened in the history of forever. You know what I mean? Like you don't just walk in and know everything you need to know. There are inevitably growing pains. First overall pick, 256th overall pick, everywhere in between. And the success of players like like George Kittle and Fred Warner indicate that the San Francisco 49ers scouting department generally knows what they're doing, right? Like you don't get hits like that in the later rounds without knowing these are the the tools that we like. These are the traits that we like. We can identify them. We're going to draft these players. They're going to fit for us. It seems to me that the hangup is more so on the developmental side of things. Where a player like Warner comes out, gets rotational reps in his first year, looks awesome, continues to play, looks awesome, starting job, all pro, best linebacker in the league, big contract. George Kittle comes out, looks awesome, can block really well, starts catching the ball well, does better, does better, does better, one of the best tight ends in the league. And then you have a guy like, Dante Pettis, who's got nice stretches of play in his rookie season, takes like a, a step back in training camp in his second year, doesn't prepare the way that they want, isn't playing the way they want, and he can't get out of that rut. He can't get out of that hole. Brandon Ayuk gets kind of put in the in the in the doghouse. He feels like he can't get out. Diamond Lenore feels like he gets put in the doghouse, can't get out. Solomon Thomas miscast, wrong role, feels like he can't get out. Once a player takes a step back, it seems like they're forsaken. It seems like they're replaced and then they're not going to be trusted and 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 it's done. That's a development problem to me. Uh it Kyle Shannon's not the first head coach to have a problem developing players or, or I should say an impatience with rookies making rookie mistakes. Uh, every head coach in the league would, if they had their druthers start zero rookies because you just don't, you can't trust them. They just, they make rookie mistakes is what they do. So he's not the first coach to have this problem, but because of how much power he has in San Francisco and because there's, I don't think a, a, a strong enough voice from like the general manager or the director of football ops or whatever, being able to advocate for these players and say, we have to play these rookies. We have to play these young guys through their issues, through their errors, for the sake of the health of the franchise long-term, because that voice isn't there. Those rookies get benched and they don't get the opportunity to kind of grow through their issues, to know the coaching staff will trust them, to know they have a long leash to make mistakes and eventually become solid pros. And so you're kind of uh, uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul in a way where you are benching a young player to try to put in a veteran to win games now only to make it harder next year to win games then because you didn't develop the young guy. And so you don't have the dude in place to replace that veteran as he gets older. You're just kind of borrowing from next year to pay out this year. It's, it's not a good approach. And that's why we're seeing it year after year after year. Just get a little bit more frustrating, a little bit more difficult for Shanahan in San Francisco. I want to talk uh, a little bit. And actually you mentioned players, there's never been a, a player in the history of the league that was that ready coming in. Mm-hmm. And the 49ers might have had the one that was the most ready in Nick Bosa, too, with the number two overall pick. Like, he didn't need a lot. So um, even that pick right there, and, you, you know, you can't pick and choose. You can't say, oh, they don't get credit. They made the right pick, and they did something developmental-wise. I'm sure he's gotten better with the 49ers. But he is about as ready as ever, and he's been one of the most important players and one of the best players and probably you know on that 2019 Super Bowl roster if it wasn't for Nick Bosa. I don't know if they're in the Super Bowl. Like He was that important and that impactful, and, and he was pretty ready to go right out of the gate. But um, I think we're on to something here when it comes to that development stuff. And it's it's the the thing that really dawned on me in this whole situation in 2021 with the 49ers was what you mentioned there and what you mentioned in the article with um with Dante Pettis and it is so eerily repeating itself with Brandon Ayuk after one and a half seasons and even and Croc was talking about this yesterday right Croc where Shanahan yeah. said that um 
he was kind of forced to even play Ayuk as much as he did as a rookie. And then if he had it his way, maybe he wouldn't even have have flashed right. that talent. And everybody else in the world was like, oh, my God, wait for the Brandon Ayuk breakout this year when he starts all 16 games because look how awesome he looked as a rookie. And secretly behind closed doors, Shanahan hated him the whole time, I guess. And so uh, it's kind of maddening. Well, I think where, where there is is there's a disconnect between the way that he wants to coach and understanding who this new generation of kids are. You know, I, I talked about it before we started. In 2016, I got into coaching. And right away, I understood that these kids can't be coached the same way that I was coached, the same way that kids from, you know, guys coming out in like 2010, 2011, 2012 – most of the kids are just different. So 2016, when I started coming, those guys are coming into the NFL now. And I noticed that they need a little bit more love, a little bit more positive reinforcement. Where if you're kind of a throwback old school coach like Kyle Shanahan in theory, and you get on a kid the same way you got on Julio Jones or the same way you got on Andre Johnson, these kids are a little different now. So we see it with, we saw it with Dante Pettis where we saw the ability. That's why I tell everybody, they're like, oh, he was a, he was a bust. Kyle Shanahan missed. No, the talent was there. Whatever they thought he was from a talent perspective, he showed all of that ability in his rookie year. Same with Brandon Ayuk. But like you said, Ben, the moment that something doesn't go the way that Kyle Shanahan necessarily wants, he just like drills in on them and doesn't do anything to reel them back in. And now this article from Mike Silver comes out and he's talking about how they said, hey, you know, Trey Lance come out on fire right? On fire. Everybody heard about everything that he was doing, and then he loses confidence. Well, how does he lose confidence? Well, he loses confidence when his head coach, every time he gets asked about Trey Lance to the media, shoots down anything that Trey Lance is doing. And I think that's one thing that he's he's missing when it comes to kind of developing this new generation of kids. And it's not fair, but it's just is the way it is. You have to kind of coach them a little different. Still be the hard ass, you know, if you want, but you have to do something to kind of reel them in and show them that you do care and you do love them. They're just different in that way. And I think he's not doing that. And in turn, he's losing some of the kids. Now, maybe George Kittle, it doesn't matter how you coach him. Maybe Fred Warner, it doesn't matter. But clearly it mattered with Pettis. It probably mattered with Ayu. And I think it might matter for Trey Lance as well. You got to send him a DM after practice and let him know everything's cool. That's that's the thing that Shanahan's missing right now. Hey, and <laughs> hey, Ben is part of that. Age group, right? Young Ben Gen Z, baby, let's go. <laughs> uh, no, I very much agree. And I think that it's important to remember, and this was something that a lot of people re-reminded me of after I wrote the piece. Mike Shanahan had similar problems with, you know, kind of running the front office in Denver when he was ending his, his tenure there as the head coach and wanting to make more personnel decisions and kind of having a fallout of development. Kyle was 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 raised in the league, man. Like he is a he is a, a league cornerstone. He has been in professional football since day one, like in living memory. He was the ball boy for like Joe Montana, whatever the heck it was. You know what I mean? Like this is what he is. And so it is intuitive that he would have the problem that Croc's talking about, where he believes so strongly in in the the shield, right? In the tenets of the NFL, that as the players who enter the the league don't care about that as much change what you know what their priorities are change their approach kyle would have some friction with that so it makes a lot of sense more with ben solak coming up his article about kyle shanahan and what ills the 49ers at the top of the organizational structure and how they can get out of it next mcdonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty affordable food it's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect proudly serving communities 
since 1965. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries and, of course, Nuggets. We're not going to argue about dipping sauce today. Uh, I've had a lot of those conversations recently with different co-hosts and guests and uh, different ways you can order things, secret ways to order burgers at McDonald's and the way they do things in Canada versus the way they do things in the States when it comes to McDonald's. Yeah, it's global too. So win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, the entire team can come to recharge after a game. By the way, You ever been to a bingo night on Thursdays at your local McDonald's? Yeah, it's a thing, too. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel, reconnect, or play bingo. Maybe even listen to your favorite Locked On podcast on that dependable Wi-Fi McDonald's. I'm loving it. Benjamin Solak of The Ringer, kind enough to join us today. Let's talk about his latest article at TheRinger.com. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the rest of the NFC West Do you think the 49ers have a chance to get back in this thing? Because there's still some talent there. Kyle Shanahan can still coach. Do you see the Rams now with OBJ, it looks like, and and Von Miller is going to make his debut against the 49ers on Monday Night Football? And if the Cardinals can beat the 49ers and and look pretty darn good with Colt McCoy, uh, you know, a healthy Kyler Murray, look out. That that team looks pretty good right now and have the best record in the NFL. Um, Can the 49ers get back into this? and, And how good do you think this NFC West is at the top with the Rams and the Cardinals? I, they can get back into it in the sense that they are like a talented team and they have a, a head coach with a great offensive system. I think the defense is, you know, shaky and they, they, they've got some some missing pieces, but I generally like what D'Amico Ryans is doing. So I think that they have that which is necessary to make a run. With that said, there's a reason that they're three and six, three and five, three and six, three and five. Uh, they're about to be three and six. Maybe three they're three and, and five maybe. currently. Uh, there's a reason why they have a losing record. And it's because they've been in close games, haven't gotten the job done because they've had erratic play because they've had so much injury and so much turnover. Right. And so I, I won't say you never say never, you know, you never say die, especially for a team that's talented, but they, they are a tough team to trust in that regard, especially in such a talented NFC West in general, I'm not concerned about their ability to win games. I think that on a Sunday, Shane Han is one of the, one of the, best coach in the league he's one of the top guys you'd want to have and i think when he gets the quarterback he drafted in there lets him go through his rookie pains because this guy's one year of fcs experience trey lance you're gonna have to let him play bad before he plays good if they're not ready to swallow that pill having drafted him and traded three first round picks for him god knows what's gonna happen but let him go through his rookie pains and when they get him to the spot where they like him to me this 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 team is talented enough to win games. I don't know if that's like, you know, a nice, you know, last few games of 2021, the year's 2021. The last few games yeah. of 2021 after, you know, they're kind of out of playoff contention or if that's 2022 whatever it is. I have confidence in Shanahan, this offense, these weapons on a Sunday. It's the Monday to Saturday problem that you're worried about. Winning erases that. You know, you, you don't like the way they've been developing players. Get Trey Lance out there, win a couple of football games. Nobody cares about how you're developing players anymore, right? It's, it's a problem for tomorrow as long as we're winning games. So I think they can win games. I think they can go on a run. I don't have a ton of faith in it right now just because the team's been in so much tumult. But in general, I think they're going to be okay. And I like the quarterback they drafted. I like the head coach that they have. This They're going to have to pay this piper eventually in terms of their development, but I still think they're going to be able to win some games in the near future. Trey Lance, so much is wrapped up in Trey Lance and this whole draft class, their their later picks. And again, that this is what's crazy. We're seeing things repeat themselves, and that's what's frustrating with the 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 uh, the wide receiver thing with Brandon Ayuk and 
Dante Pettis, and that's looking really similar right now. And um, with, again, another draft class of late-round picks that are looking pretty good. And the, the sixth-round running back is is outperforming the third-round running back. And the fifth-round offensive lineman is outperforming the second-round offensive lineman. And the fifth-round corner looks better than the third-round corner. And um, the the quarterback, you know, obviously hasn't had a chance to play, so the quarterback thing is its own deal. But we've seen that so many years in a row, and Croc and I, after the draft, sort of joked about it. We're like, well, of course we know it's going to happen with this class. The, those fifth and sixth rounders are going to be awesome, and the, the first three rounders are going to be pretty iffy. Croc, I can tell you want to jump in here with a question for Ben as it pertains to Trey Lance as well. I wanted to ask Ben because my kind of pushback on Kyle Shanahan, I've I've kind of lost faith in him being the guy that is magically going to get better with Trey Lance, right? I think in theory, you would assume that, oh, once he gets Trey Lance going, everything is going to be fine. And I... You know, was listening to a podcast with Matt Mayoko, and that was his thing. We're like, hey, the clock on Kyle Shanahan getting fired hasn't started yet because Mm -hmm. he hasn't had the opportunity to truly develop Trey Lance yet. But when you look at a situation like this, this year, the way it's going, how he's handled a lot of other rookies, how much confidence, Ben, do you have that Kyle Shanahan is the guy? And not just in theory, because I think in theory, yeah, he's the perfect guy for Trey Lance. But with the results that we've seen within his five years being the head coach of the 49ers, how much confidence do you have that he's going to bring Trey Lance around the, uh, along the right way? So I have a, a, a lot of confidence that on the chalkboard with his experience with RG3 in Washington and with the way we've seen this offense work with an immobile quarterback, the potential bringing Lance out in the boots, even the six quarters we saw against the Seahawks and the Cardinals, that on the chalkboard, in the playbook, X's and O's, they've got a, a, a very dangerous offense with Trey Lance at the helm. It is that development problem that you're worried about, right? And that's why I say they've had an issue developing rookies. They've had an issue bringing players along and, and getting through the, the, the bumps and the bruises. They have to have expected bumps and bruises from Trey Lance. He just turned 21. He has one year of experience at, at North Dakota State. If they aren't ready for him to make mistakes and, he made mistakes in that Arizona game, but also that was their toughest opponent of the year. And it was a really close game that if they get a little bit more fourth down luck, they're probably winning or at least taking overtime. Uh, they had bumps in that game, but it was still one of their more impressive offensive games, even with only 10 points that they had throughout the year. Like they had explosive downfield passing games, which they simply just don't get with Jimmy back there. Like there were in enough nuggets, enough diamonds in that rough for you to say, this is why we drafted the guy. We have to continue doing this. So if they go three and six, they get to three and seven, and they don't put Lance in for Jimmy, I'll start to get worried because you have to just get him reps. There's no way a guy with this little experience can learn everything he needs to learn on the chalkboard. I don't care how good of a student he is. You gotta you gotta let the bolts be live. You gotta be okay with that. So I think if, if we get to beginning of December and they're playing Jimmy on a four and eight team that's when I start to worry. As of right now, I still have to believe that this team brass, York, uh, you know, Lynch and Shanahan understood, okay, once we have our opportunity to get Lance in, we got to do it because he needs reps in order to develop. Last time I had you on, Ben, we talked a lot about Justin Fields. We didn't know who the 49ers were going to select at number three in the draft, and you had a big piece about how great Justin Fields was as a prospect, and and I thought Mm -hmm. he would be the guy at three or maybe should be the guy at three because of all his talents. I liked Trey Lance a lot. Um, I I was down on Mac Jones. It's looking like he's coming into the league and looked pretty ready to play. Uh, We knew 
that Trevor Lawrence and, and very likely Zach Wilson weren't going to be the selections, even if we would have thought that Justin Fields deserved to be, say, the number two overall pick in the draft. But now that you've seen half a season of these rookies, I know we haven't seen a lot from Trey Lance, but the, the rest of those first rounders, how do you think things have gone? Have they changed your mind from your original evaluations on them at all? Not too much. Uh, the main thing that I didn't get in the pre-draft process was the suspicion of Justin Fields relative to Zach Wilson, who played in like similar-ish offenses in college. And one was like never sacked ever. And it was like, yeah, he's going to be fine in the league. Yeah. He's never experienced pressure once. That was Wilson. And then the other guy was just like throwing 60-yard bombs against Clemson. And people were like, did he get to his check down fast enough? Though? I was like, Dude, what are we talking about right now? That kind of, I think, has stayed, right? Uh, I, I don't think you're out on Wilson in New York, but you've obviously seen how that offense has looked with him at the helm. And then they put Mike White in and Mike White's just like taking his check downs, getting rid of the ball. And all of a sudden the Jets look a lot better. Like Wilson was always going to be a long uh, road, right? A long developmental arc, same way Lance was, whereas Fields was a lot more pro ready. So to me, that made sense. Uh, I've been more impressed with Mac Jones than I anticipated. I think that he's, he's taken to the NFL pretty quickly and he's been more efficient in the quick game than I thought he'd be. Um, but I think the limitations on him are still clear. Uh, and so for what you've you've seen from, I think, Lawrence Fields and and Jones, you've gotten just like enough reps from even Wilson as well. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with where I was. I was high on Lance and I'm, and I like, you know, like I said, those diamonds in the rough that you got in those those six quarters. But certainly there's just a lot that needs to get cleaned up process, mechanics, comfort. Like it's all just reps, 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 reps. So to me, uh, maybe I should have like been even lower on Wilson, but I, I think he deserves another year. I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt because it was always going to be a long on board for him. In general, we knew that was a quarterback class with five really talented players. And so far it looks like all the guys who've had a lot of reps have a lot of talent uh, and the other guys are still coming along. And so sure it would have been nice if, uh, if one of these guys was in the 2022 class, but no, nope, right. we just wasted them all <laughs> on one class and now we're, uh, we're a little stuck next year. That's okay. Yeah. Those teams that skipped on quarterbacks last year in the draft might be kicking themselves. Don't especially get me started if, uh, on the Carolina Panthers. Uh, right yeah. That's what I say. Especially if you uh, went all in on, on Sam Darnold, you might not yeah. like what you see on the uh, 2022 draft board. Man, Panthers made a uh, as big of a mistake as I can remember a team making in the draft last few years. And the Eagles are right there behind them, baby. Go Birds. Uh, the Eagles did it too. And then you're looking at Miami now, and it's like, oh, man, maybe they should have just gone and, and drafted a quarterback too and stayed originally at number three, which is the pick they had. Miami should have picked, like, one offensive coordinator and been like, what offense are we going to run? Is this <laughs> this charade with their, their their quarterbacks, coaches, calling plays? They got two OCs. I don't know what either one of them does. It's nonsense. We got to get uh, you. So, yeah. We got to get you out of here, Ben. Um, if, if you have a short answer for this, that would be best for for you to get out of here. But you can speak as long as you want, and we will we will keep this yeah. tape rolling. I'm not really sure. known for having short answers, there, Brian. <laughs> I appreciate the faith, though. Uh, you, you are uh, an owner dies, and unbeknownst to you, you were a distant relative, and he leaves you his NFL franchise, and you have to hire a coach and a GM. How would you structure that marriage between coach GM? Would you have a GM hire a coach? Would you have an all powerful coach that gets to uh, have personnel say, and uh, that the GM works for him? I'd hire my GM and my coach independently. I want them to have similar philosophies because I want to have one cohesive idea in the building, but I want to hire them uh, uh, independently. And that goes back to the, the point in the, the piece that you brought up at the top. You want your GM and your head coach to exist in a healthy tug of war, a healthy struggle. Your head coach should be trying to build the team to win now. Your GM should be trying to build the team to win later, to win one year from now, two years from now. That's that's healthy. There are times where you don't need to be that way, i.e. Los Angeles Rams, i.e. we're never going to make a draft pick ever. Why would we? We have Jalen Ramsey in his prime. We have Aaron Donald in his prime. We're not going to waste time 
developing a second round pick. Let's get guys and go. That's fine. The Lions, same thing. We're not going to, we don't need Jamie Collins right now. Trade him. We don't cut him. We don't need him. We need to see if Jalen Reeves Maven can be a starter for us because they're rebuilding. So there's times that gets out of whack, but that's okay. In general, you want that healthy balance. And then when you get your winning window, you strike. Uh, so I want my guys to be of a similar philosophy. Like we're going to be built off team speed, you know, or, or like the Titans, for example, Mike Rabel, John Robinson. We're going to be big, huge, and mean. That's philosophy. We're going to be giant and angry, and that's working great for them. Uh, <laughs> but you want those guys to be intention. You want the head coach to think, uh, that he always needs veterans and he always needs established players. He, he's winning now for his job security. And you want the GM always to be focused on cap space, draft picks, and development because that's where his job security lies. So you want those guys to exist in attention. That doesn't mean they have to disagree. just means that you want them oriented on different things so that your, your organization stays in balance. That is Ben Solak. You can find him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak, theringer.com. Ben, I got to be honest, when I heard you were leaving the draft network, I thought, oh, here we go. This is it. Finally. Uh, an NFL team smartened up and is going to hire one of these guys and is going to hire Ben Solak because uh, you'd be the first hire if I was actually putting together a front office, if I was gifted one of those NFL franchises and became an owner. So uh, I want you to know that, and thank you for jumping on the show. And uh, luckily, the the ringer got you instead of one of those franchises who don't deserve you anyway. Yeah, I uh, the I took a look at the hours and the and the pay on those franchises and I said no thanks. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna sleep. That's yeah. fine with y'all. It's funny you get to a certain point and you're like, you know what? Being an area scout, you can't afford me to do that work right now. And now that I've got my foot, my my foothold in this uh, industry, yeah, you can't afford me. You can't afford those hours and the travel. So, uh, and there's there's nobody giving away GM jobs right now, unfortunately. Appreciate it, man. Take care and uh, glad for all your success. Sweet, I appreciate that, Brian. Thanks for having me on, y'all. Thanks, Ben. Croc and I will wrap it up next. It's like sort of a nature versus nurture conversation. Is it scouting versus development for the San Francisco 49ers right now? When you're on that long road trip and need to refuel or on your way to work, which is a lot of times when people listen to these podcasts, check out the Get Upside app. Listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every single time they fill up with Get Upside. I downloaded the app. I was blown away. Super easy to use. You get that cash right back into your account in a couple days. You can move that into your bank account. You can move it into PayPal. You can buy an e-gift card with it. Uh, tons of other brands of gift cards if you want to do that and buy some. Yeah, It's a free, easy way to go buy some gifts for uh, Christmas for some loved ones and friends. It's it's an amazing thing. And when you use promo code TOUCHDOWN, by the way, you can even get a bigger bonus of cash back, 25 more cents per gallon on your first fill-up. So that's 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get up to 50 cents cash back per gallon on your first tank of gas with the Get Upside app and promo code touchdown you know croc interesting and got me thinking and i think we've hit on so many different things and that's the um there was a lot of talk on twitter today uh about the human element and i believe it was um steve young that brought this up in in multiple interviews now as it pertains to the 49ers there's a human element you've got to understand people and the the way the front office is structured and who's in charge of what and I think the 49ers are sort of reeling right there. And, and I think that just some sort of leadership needs to come together and there needs to be a strong voice and pull this thing together because there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of talent on the 49ers roster, coaching staff, front office. They should be a lot better than they are. So um, yeah. I think it's the human element. And, and there's definitely a vibe that's totally off 
when it comes to the 49ers. And you nailed something about the the new generation of players. And maybe that's where Kyle Shanahan needs to alter his mindset when it comes to coaching guys because you can't treat Brandon Ayuk the same way you treated Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson was a dude dude. He played at Miami, and, and he got coached up a lot different as a young man growing up than uh, some of the new generation of players did. I think that it, it's, it's probably hard for – these coaches now to understand is hard for probably a lot of our listeners because I'm pretty sure the age of our listeners is probably, you know, 28 to like 40, you know, 50 years old. And, and they are, you know, they grew up in a different generation, but me being right there and experiencing it, I realized right away, I have to change the way that I coach and the way I approach these kids. It's just different. Now, you can choose to be the hard ass and you can say, this is just the way I'm going to do it. And I believe if you have the success, then you'll probably be fine. But right now, Kyle Shanahan, one winning season in five years, clearly they're not taking to it the way that he wants. And he's having a tough time being able to get a lot of his higher draft picks on the field, which makes sense, right? You think higher draft pick, they're probably the higher sought after, sought after uh, you know, prospects coming out of high school. High school, they were probably like, you know, just these high-profile players that were the guys with all the stars. They're kind of used to being treated a little different, and it's tough. Now, money's on the line, but even then, as a coach, head coach, it's your job to figure out how do I get through to this player the best. And I feel like that's something that he's potentially kind of been struggling with, and hopefully he figures it out sooner than later because I think it would be for the benefit of everybody involved, including the fans and the people that cover the 49ers. And it's crazy how much different things have changed in the world in the last decade, you know, 10, 12 years. And uh, the time that Kyle Shanahan's been in the NFL, you think like Facebook was like not even a thing. Right. And then now it's like so I've got some dates here on Facebook just to put it into perspective. 2007 is when Facebook first launched their mobile app m.facebook.com like it wasn't even a it was a it was a website before 2007 right and now there's just an unbelievable amount of uh, social media and things and that's probably changed the world as much as anything even even looking at how offenses are run in the NFL and how teams are run in the NFL and how GMs do work now if you watch something in 2008 2009 on TV you might not even have HD you might not have even the the 16 by 9 widescreen version you'd have the square version go back go on YouTube right now and look for a uh, a 2008 2009 football game and I bet it'll be square screen and not widescreen right in, in the in some grainy ass footage you can't tell what the hell's going on think about it like this guy like I mean first of all YouTube was just really kind of coming along as far as like people go on and watch highlights and mm -hmm. things like this Trey Lance was born in year 2000 it's crazy. so you know you start you start thinking about you know uh you know when he was you know, 10 years old when Facebook kind of started popping, like, you know, it's just, it was really kind of so long ago. And it's hard to, when you, when you're rooting for the 49ers and they've been losing and you want them to snap out of it and stuff like that, the Jim Harbaugh years, like Trey Lance was 10 years old, <laughs> you know, like these dudes are so young again, just a totally different generation. And the way their approach is to the game is just different. Some of these guys not saying Trey Lance, but, and he seems like a, a really good level-headed kid, a hard worker, all that. But there's still that sense of how you have to talk to some of these kids because they're just raised a little bit different than we were when we were coming out, most of us at least. And uh, Kyle Shanahan, he's used to, like Ben said, being a 49ers ball boy at a young age. Like he watched, you know, 
Jerry Rice, you know, how he went to work, you know, and all these other guys, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, whatever the case is, like he's seen those guys, you know, prepare a certain way, have a certain mindset and the way that they were coached up. Well, these younger guys now, like they ain't see it and they don't care about that. When I was on the Jets, these dudes, we used to have like this little like trivia thing where it would be like all the rookies in there. And like some of it would just be like, what is, you know, what, what teams are in the NFC North? And these guys don't know. They don't even watch football like that. <laughs> so they definitely don't know how these older guys were being coached. So it's just, it's, it's a different world. A lot has changed. These kids have changed and you have to figure out how to get through them. And I think, I think that's an issue right now. I think it's definitely an issue. I think scouting is still somewhat of an issue, and it's it's pretty clear that Kyle Shanahan has a stronger say about what's going on in the earlier rounds, and even the guys he's loving on draft day and, and the ones they're trading up for aren't working out as much as the ones that are being drafted on day three. So there, there's there's multiple things happening here, and then when you think back about Kyle Shanahan and all of his best players he's ever coached as an offensive coordinator or as a head coach, and Debo is really good, and uh, George Kittle is awesome, obviously, and, and those two players have developed on the 49ers, but his best players are still guys that were already established, established veterans in their 30s, most likely, when he started coaching them, and you have guys like Andre Johnson and Julio Jones and Matt Ryan, and, and those are all still the best players he's ever coached, and... We have yet to see, you know, and, and I think Kittle's in, in that conversation, at least. He's a different position, a tight end, and, and the best tight end Kyle Shanahan has ever had. But um, I think he still hasn't, he hasn't really coached up his own wide receiver, quarterback, superstar. Maybe Debo Samuel's on the cusp of that. Uh, George Kittle is, is a star player in his own right. But um, it just seems like all the best players Kyle Shanahan has ever coached were already ready to go. And uh, there's, there's some sort of a development problem going on with the 49ers right now. Well, I think they maybe just had a different mindset, right? And, and George Kittle was able to take to how Kyle Shanahan wanted to coach him up. Some people are able to do that. And you Kittle know? has and, a very old school mindset and Debo does too. Those, those are two of the most physical dudes, right? At those position groups in the NFL. So maybe that's it. You know, he, you gotta be just so physically tough and mentally tough to play for Kyle Shanahan. I think we're onto something there. And if you don't show that every day, he's not going to like you. And we see it with Trey Sermon. I was talking about it. Trey Sermon. There's no way that he should be inactive. He doesn't suck. Now we're looking at him like he's just this bust and that he can't play in the NFL. That's not the case. It's a guy averaging over four yards of carry. He was just coming off of a game where he ran for almost 100 yards against Seattle. And then the very next week, he gets one carry for seven yards. You know, like you can't, it's like, how does that even happen? And he goes from one carry, almost 100 yards to one carry for seven yards to being inactive. And Jeff Wilson coming off a meniscus practice for like one day. And he was active and Trey Sermon wasn't, even though Sermon's fully healthy. And uh, Wilson didn't play at all. He was sort of an emergency running back. But that's the thing. He'd rather have Jeff Wilson coming off an injury with one or two practices under his belt be the emergency running back rather than Trey Sermon, who's fully healthy. And and that's that's pretty telling. Like that's that's wild. And and you're right, Trey Sermon hasn't produced like he's terrible like he's a bust he's looked fine and maybe maybe elijah mitchell's looked better but trey sermon hasn't looked so bad that right. he shouldn't be active for the 49ers that, that's my thing it, i think people they talk about him like he's someone that's just been really bad and even if he's not as good as elijah mitchell at the very least you look at it like you have your one two punch and i think you would be fine with that 
but instead he's not playing and he clearly feels a certain way. And this goes back to me talking about how some of these newer kids are right. And him removing everything at, which I haven't paid attention to it, but I saw some people mention it on social media. He removed all the 49ers stuff from like his bios and things like that. Right. Like I don't want anything to do with that. That's their mindset now. Right. Like, and I talked about these kids, if you don't coach them a certain way, they will check out. Now, I'm not saying that Kyle Shanahan has to conform to that, but I will say there's going to be a lot of players that he's going to not, he's going to miss out on the talent because he doesn't understand that maybe I can't coach this kid the same way I coached George Kittle. Maybe I can go about it a different way. He's missing that aspect of it. And ultimately, it's only going to hurt your team in the process. And you end up being a team that has the talent but you have one winning season in five years. Right. Did they pick the wrong guys or are they not getting through to the guys they did pick? That's a huge question. The 49ers got to figure some of that stuff out or it's going to be a slow road and you hope they get it right with that quarterback and they're able to develop Trey Lance because that's the most important piece to this whole puzzle right now for the 49ers as they sit at three and five. And Monday Night Football upcoming against the Los Angeles Rams. Croc and I will be back Monday, maybe have an opportunity to kind of talk about the rest of the league and what happened on the NFL Sunday this week. And of course, our keys to victory for Monday Night Football against the Los Angeles Rams. Thanks for making us your first listen every day right here, Locked on 49ers. Peace.